but California, I love it here. You're, you're nice. I, I, you don't get, you know, you're nice. You're a nice state. I think the only nicer state than California has got to be Minnesota. And, uh, okay, shut up. Uh, no, no. Minnesota people are like weird nice. Like, you can't be that nice. It's like creepy nice. It's like they're hiding something from you, kind of nice. And I learned that, like this summer, I spent some time with our friends in Minnesota. They have this beautiful lake house in Minnesota. I did an activity I've never done before. Probably shouldn't have, but I did. Uh, first morning, we're just getting ready. My friend John's just all pumped, ready to go, hey, Tim, we're gonna do it today, buddy. Oh, we're gonna go nuts today, don't you know? Yeah, we are. What are we gonna do? We're gonna go tubing. We're gonna tube today, Tim. We're tubing on the lake, tubing. You ever tube? We're gonna tube, tube, tube. You ever tube? Okay, who are you, the Swedish chef from the Muppets? Who are you? <laughs> What's Tobin? He goes, Tobin is you lay down on the tube, it's tied to a rope, tied to the boat. What we do is we drag you around the lake behind the boat in the tube. It'll change your life. He was right about that. And I'm an idiot, right? So I'm like, I'm first, man. I don't even know what I'm doing. Let's do it. So I'm like at the end of this pier, and I'm laying down on this tube, got the life jacket on, got the rope and the boat. Here's what I learned about Minnesota people. They're really nice until you put them behind the wheel of a ski boat. That's when they get possessed by the devil and want to kill you for fun. So John's getting ready. All right, Tim, looks good. I'm going to start out the boat. Here we go. All right, Tim. Are you ready to go? <laughs> I mean, water going in and out of me faster than I've ever felt it in my life. I was a tube at that point, ladies and gentlemen. I was a PVC pipe. So I had chewing gum I swallowed when I was five years old come out of me. Like, that's Hubba Bubba. They don't even make Hubba Bubba anymore. That's watermelon flash. <laughs> this dude took off. And I'm just hanging on by the grace of God to the tube. We're going like 100 miles an hour in the wake, and but after a minute, I realized I'm doing it. I'm hanging on, and, and it felt good. And, and I felt the, the spray in my hair and the wind in my face, and, and my adrenals, they were adrenaling. And I started feeling arrogant. I got a little cocky. I don't know why. I started singing that song from Top Gun. Right into the danger zone. And then he turned. And that's when my life changed. Now I was outside the wick singing, Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about your name. I was singing about Jesus because I saw him. And then I didn't. And some of you know why, because then we hit a wave. You guys, that's the first time in my life I've ever felt my heels touch the back of my head. I didn't know I could do that. I was kind of impressed physically that I had that in me. I was like a scorpion for half a second. It's like, watch me whip, watch me nay-nay. No, no. No, don't laugh. He whipped my nay-nay all over that lake that day. I had never had my nay-nay whipped like that. And it didn't feel very Christian. 
but I hung on to that stinking tube. I had to, if I let go, I'd wind up in Wisconsin somewhere. Oh, we're just getting started. So Jeff Gordon, he whips it around, goes the other way, I'm back in the wake. Here's another tidbit. You ever tubing in Minnesota? They ask you how you're doing back there. Did not go like that. It's not what you want to do. Unless you want to take it to a whole nother level. You push a red button. You go on the other end of the lake, man. He gets the other end, he makes the right turn. I'm back outside the wake. We hit another wave. And I hung on. Then I remember. At that moment, I remember I looked up. In the corner of my eye, I saw something. Something swooping down from the sky. Like, is that an eagle? No, it's my colon. Yeah. I believe that's my descending colon, descending back down to the surface of the water. Okay, yeah, we need to circle back and get that. I know it's only a semicolon now, but I need that. I need to put that back in there. I knew one of my swim trunks. I lost those an hour ago. They're in a tree somewhere. Some of you needed that, didn't you? You needed that. <clears throat> that's why I wanted uh, that video. Because sometimes we just need to laugh. We just need to rejoice and have that joy back. Um, this sermon, I guess, Lord impressed me whenever Olivia got baptized. A few weeks ago, and she talked about as just a teenage girl, she lost the joy of the Lord going through what she went through, you know, and that, that hit me. And so I, I want to talk to you about the healing of the heart, healing of the heart. Now, believe it or not, you know, uh, the men's, uh, men's study or whatever in the men's health, they had a study that said that, that indulging your senses, uh, sense of humor can help you live longer. A healthier life, laughing not only eases stress, promotes social bonding, and lowers blood pressure, but it also boosts your immune system. Plus, humor uh, becomes more important for people as they age, so I definitely need to laugh. And it's associated with a more satisfying life. So, you know, the Lord wants us to be joyful, obviously. He, he, he understands what we go through, but he... He wants us to have joy. In Psalms 34, it says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. So I just want to give you some, some scripture, some things from the Bible to help you uh, about healing a heart. In John chapter 15, it says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. That's what Jesus said. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, and just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things I you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So Jesus is indicating that he understood that you can lose your joy, that your joy might not be as full as you like it to be as he like it to be. And so he, he understands that. It says in Matthew chapter 18, Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. Offenses are going to come. I'm telling you, they're going to happen. As, as, as true as you are breathing today, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have heartache. You're going to have sorrow. Something's going to come in your life. 
your car's not going to start. That's my trouble here for the last two, three months. I have a little ritual I, have to, I had to go through to get my car started. 15, 20 minutes trying to start that stupid car. Trouble's going to come. Are you prepared for it? Has it knocked you for a loop? The Lord doesn't want that. He wants you to have joy. Now, offenses come by a lot of different ways. Uh, all kind of shapes and sizes and, you know. Offenses can come because of something you did. Maybe the trouble you're going through is because of something you did. Now, the joke was made by Doug. By the way, you like my shirt? It says backup pastor. Number two. Yeah, old Doug here, when I said that, he said, yeah, your, your wife regrets marrying you. That's what he said in the front row. Huh? I, okay, you're right. All right. I confess my sin. I did start that. Yeah, you're right. I'm number two. You are number one. But something you did, you know, you have regrets about something, maybe that you, a choice you made, what you did, where you, where you went. Long time ago, when I first moved to Texas, got married, had a job way back. Worked with a man, told me about his son, his only son. Uh, that his, him and his best friend, his son's best friend and, and his son were cleaning guns together. And his son's best friend shot his son and killed him. And when I talked to him at the time, 10 years later, that the boy that killed his son was still, couldn't keep a job, couldn't keep friends, was all to himself. He, he's still suffering that tragedy, blaming himself. So maybe it's something you did. Maybe it's something others did, you know. People in their stupidity, their ignorance, their selfishness, they did something that affected you or hurt you brought heartache in your life. Maybe it's something that life did. Just life, like that crazy car that will not start. So God says, hey, these things happen in life. Offenses are going to come. But you need to have the joy of the Lord. You need to have healing in your heart. Some of these things, you know, okay, the car, well, you know, actually, my, my car right now is in the shop, getting fixed. It's going to cost me some money, but it's not cancer. It's not looking in a casket. You know, it's not something, you know, tragic. So God wants us to be healed. Now, you've got to understand, healing comes from the Lord. As a Christian, we understand that. In Luke chapter 4, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And here, this is Jesus talking again. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Heal the brokenhearted. You know, Jesus' mission trip, right? Jesus went on a mission trip. His mission trip was to come to this world. And not only to save us, but you know what? To heal you from your trouble and tribulation, your trials of life. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Seeing then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. 
For we do not have a high priest who cannot, be sympath- who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us come boldly before the throne of grace. So Jesus feels your pain. I used to hate that because we've gone through, our family's gone through some trials. I can go back and, and look at some of the pictures of my family, especially my kids, man. You can see the burden and the heart broken in their faces in those pictures. And the Bible says, you know, Jesus feels your pain. I used to hate that when someone said, I, I know what you're going through. I just think, you don't know what I'm going through. But that was selfish on my part. Because there's a lot of people that have gone through a lot of things worse than what we've been through. But Jesus feels your pain. He feels your pain. And the Garden of Gethsemane says this, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And he said unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry with me. And of course, Peter, James, and John, you know, they did the good thing that all, you know, us Christians do. And they said, get over it, Jesus. All right. All All things happen for good, Jesus. I'll be praying for you, Lord. And sometimes you don't want to hear that kind of answer. But healing comes from God. First Peter chapter 2, it says, For this we're called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we have died to sin, might live for righteousness, whose stripes we are healed. Well, Jesus went to that cross and he was, he was abused so that he could feel our pain. You know, the Lord desires is not for you to, to leave you broken in a casual this world. That's not what he wants. He wants to heal you. Now, the second thing is, though, the healing is not always instantaneous or miraculous. Now, it is nice when it's like that. It is it's great when the Lord does some things, you know, and, and just I've met some people that they've gone through this tragedy and it's like they're just praising the Lord and they're on top of it and they've got the victory. I'll tell you, I don't have that testimony. I got mad at God. I, I quit God. I, I just didn't pray, didn't read, stopped everything. I, I got mad. But, you know, healing is not always instantaneous or miraculous because the Bible says that Christ is trying to work a work in you. And I realize that sometimes that work takes time. He can wave the holy wand over your head and poof and make it all better, but that doesn't make the work in you. He says there in Luke chapter 9, he says, Then he said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. It's a daily battle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, at least Paul said this, at least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh, messenger of Satan. Boy, this thing is driving me crazy. At least I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times, pleaded with the Lord, pleaded, please, Lord, please take this from me. 
And he said to me, my grace is... I always want to be a TV preacher. Thank you, sir. Uh, this is going to be very awkward for me. I've never had to hold a mic like this. All right, so anyway, my grace is sufficient for thee. You know, in this example, Paul uh, was talking about a physical healing he needed. But um, it still has the same concept. You go to the Lord, Lord, I need, I need help, I need help. And God says, I'm, I'm giving you help. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So you have to seek, right? You ask. Ask the Lord for what you need. You seek. That means make sure it's in his will. You got to seek. Is this what God wants? That's what James talks about. And then you got to knock. Uh, you got to knock. Ever had those people knocking on your door? I had someone come knocking on my door one day. Well, actually, it was like two weeks ago. I hid. I hid in the house. I got the dog, <laughs> turned off the TV, and we ran into the bedroom. And I waited in the bedroom, and I peeked out the curtain to see if they were gone. You know, and they kept knocking. I'm like, man, I wish they'd go away. I hid in there for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and what was bad, it was raining outside, so they stayed under my carport <laughs> waiting for the rain to go. So I, I huddled back in my bedroom waiting for these people to go. But you know what? God wants you to knock. Knock. Keep knocking. Knocking on heaven's door. That's what he wants. Don't give up. Got to have that persistence like they do. It's not always instantaneous. It takes time. And healing has its stages. Healing has its stages. It says there in Ecclesiastes, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. There's a time for everything. And healing takes time. It comes in stages. You know, they told us that when we went to counseling. Our most of our family went to counseling. And they told them, you wait, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. You know, they, they have secular counseling. They have these, they call the five steps of grief, and they made it seven. They added two. But it's mainly denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. And they said, you're going you're to go through these. And we're like, oh, no, we, you know, the Lord. And yeah, the Lord was there, but I'll tell you what, we, we went through some rough times. And things that we regret. Someone talked to you about, about that, about um, the essentials for healing your soul. Number one, you've got to confess your faults. You've got to confess your faults. Now, it says here in James chapter 5, it says, confess your trespasses. In other translations, it has faults. So that it has that idea where you miss the mark. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, it's not always that what you did was wrong. Or, well, I'm sorry, let me say it like this. What, what happened to you was your fault. But your reaction to what happened, you see. 
You know, it wasn't my fault that this happened, but it was my, my reaction that I went into drugs. It was my reaction that I went into drinking. It was my reaction that I started being promiscuous. That was my reaction to what I went through. It was my reaction that I quit church. Is you know, my reaction that I blame God. Is that Those are my reactions. See that? So he's talking about you've got to confess your part of what got you away from God. You lost your joy. You've got to confess your faults. You know, it's um, a lot of times we're selective in who we want to pick because we want to pick the people who we know are going to tell us, hey, ah, it wasn't your fault. And maybe, maybe part of it is my fault. Confess your faults. Two, let others minister to you. And that same verse, it says, confess to another. Pray for another. See, so you've got you to let other people minister to you. They've got to hear your junk. You know, you've got you you to tell what's going on, and you've got to let people minister to you to speak to your heart. It says there in Hebrews chapter 3, but exhort one another daily, what is called today. Daily, daily, daily. So we got to minister. You got to let someone minister. You got to let. You got to have three. You got to have a true sincerity to minister to others. Again, back to that same verse. It says, "Confess to one another, pray for another." See, I'm telling you, these are essentials for healing. You you've got to get your eyes off yourself. I'm not taking away from your what you went through and your heartache and your and the trial, but you've got to get your eyes on somebody else. You've got to focus your attention on other people who are hurting. He says that you may be healed. You've got to do that. Start helping somebody else. Tell your story. You don't have to put on a billboard, but you do have to say something. And we went through what we went through at the time. We didn't know anybody. That was part of our struggle. There was nobody that we knew that went through what we went through. And we felt all alone. So, you've got to minister to others. It says there in Romans chapter 12, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's the weep, that, that's the same word that the apostle Peter, when he wept bitterly when he denied the Lord. You've got you to gotta weep with people. You've got to be broken with them. That's what God says. You want to be healed, you've got to do that. Four, you've got to pray for grace. Pray for grace. Back in that same verse, James chapter 5. Confess your trespasses, he says. These things, pray for one another. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You've got to pray. You've got to pray when you don't feel like praying. You've got to go to God. It says there in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may, may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need and that throne of grace is in heaven and the only way that you can approach that throne in heaven is through prayer that's the only way you can get there got to pray got to pray five you got to give thanks to the lord got to give thanks to the lord now that's not necessarily saying thanking god for the tragedy well thank you lord that uh my son's best friend killed him that's not what god's saying but you have to give thanks for what the Lord is working through that tragedy and what he's working in and that he has a plan. It says in Hebrews 13, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice to praise God sometimes. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Got to give thanks. Thank you, Lord. 
Though my car won't start, I got a nice van sitting right next to me, suburban, that was given to us free. Someone led God, gave us a beautiful suburban. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Got to give thanks. You got to seek to trust God again. You got to seek to trust God again. Proverbs chapter 3, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. You, man, you got to trust God again. Feels like you can't trust him. Feels like God let you down, but you got you to get back where you trust God. Got to trust him. Number seven, you got to seek comfort in the scriptures. And that's why I've got so many verses here. Truly, the, the Bible is God's um, love note to you, right? And there's a, there is power in this book. It, it is, it's amazing. And, and we don't seek it enough. But it's in Proverbs chapter 4, it says, give, give my attention, he says unto my words. Don't let them depart from you. <clears throat> Keep them near your heart because they'll give you life, health, to your flesh. I wrote this in my Bible. My, my brother got me this Bible shortly after I got saved. So I have in here, sin doesn't bring you joy. Remember, it's not worth it. Get off self is what I wrote. Psalm 63, 1 through 3. That was October 18th, 1986. I wrote that. You got to seek the comfort of the scriptures. You got to get in that book. Seek its spiritual healing it has. The last one, number eight. You got to forgive yourself and others. You got to forgive yourself and others. You know, there's a big debate. You know, you go on there and look. I, I went and looked online because that's where everything true happens is on the Internet. And, um, and there's some guys going back and forth about, well, the Bible doesn't say that we should forgive ourselves and blah, blah, blah. Well, the actual words, forgive yourself, is true. It's not there. They, those two words together are not in the Bible. But surely the, the concept is. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, if our heart condemns us, does your heart condemn you? Something you've done that you regret? Something that happened that you can't go back and undo? And now you're paying the price for that? It says God is greater than your heart. He knows all things. First John chapter 3. You've got to forgive yourself. God's forgiven you. If you've gone to him, you've got to forgive yourself. Luke chapter 23 says, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, they knew, let me tell you, they didn't know that he was the Lord of glory, and they were crucifying him as the Son of God. But they knew he was innocent. That part they knew. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Lord, Father, you see this man down here that will not believe on me? I know he's, he's never going to believe on me. God forgive him. I, I'm dying for him, though. You've got to forgive others. Because if you don't, believe it or not, they win. And I know that sounds stupid, but it, it's true. 
Romans chapter 12 says this, Therefore, if your enemy is hunger, hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. In so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, that's why you have to forgive is because if you don't, evil triumphs. And that pain and the sorrow and the heartache and the memory and all those things that bring you and stop you will always be there. And not until you can forgive can you really overcome evil. It's not saying they weren't wrong. It's not saying that, that they shouldn't suffer the consequences of what they've done. It's saying that you're going to forgive them as Christ forgave you and is essential for you to be healed. Psalm 51, verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Now, let me tell you this from one broken person that's gone through a tragedy, a family's gone through a tragedy, to maybe somebody out there who's gone through a tragedy. And Paul said it to, in the book of Hebrews, when he told these people, he said, hey, look, man, it's, it's been a long time. You guys are back where you started. And you should be way over here, living for God, but you're, st you're stuck so I'm telling you from one person that's been broken to another person that's broken here is that, you know what, hey, it's time. It is time to get through this that's, that's stopping you. It is time to, to overcome this thing that has been haunting you these years and stopping you from serving and trusting and living for God. It's time. It's time. It's time to move on. And you... You need to seek God's grace and help and mercy to do that because he's the only one that can get you through that valley. Amen. Restore to me, Lord, the, the joy of your salvation because I desperately want it. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for orchestrating this service together. We sang about your praises and how about your joy and Lord that you are so good to us Father help us Lord to truly turn to you to know that you are the God of healing healing hearts that we might believe you and trust you Lord that you you work all things out for good you do you have a plan and a purpose Lord for even the tragedies of life help us Lord to trust you we ask this in Jesus name Real quickly, um, you know about the baskets at the back. If you don't, we have a registration card basket. We have a joy basket where we take up our offering. We have a bagel basket. Everything that goes in there goes towards uh, future building projects. I just want to ask you one thing, and it's how many of you have hurts in your life? I'm giving the rest of you time to acknowledge that you have hurts in your life. What Casey just gave you was words from God about how you can be healed. Now, what are you going to do with it? Because some of you will keep coming to church and never once follow those steps. And so a year from now, you're still going to be stuck. Two years, five years, ten years from now, you're still going to be stuck. And you're going to blame God. You're going to blame an ex-spouse. You're going to blame parents. You're going to blame everybody, but you're not going to look in the mirror of God's word. You're going to walk away and you're going to forget everything that God taught you today. 
But if you want healing, you take one step of obedience and then watch what God begins to do in your life. Um, I'm going to pray one more time. Uh, we've got a church member, Dennis Hargrave, normally sits over here. He's been sick for over a month. I don't know exactly how long it was, but, but he went into the hospital, had pneumonia. He has COPD. He's sick again. He came for a couple of Sundays. He's just not getting over it. Tomorrow, he's going to the doctor and Tyler, and, and there's fluid on his lungs again. And they're even mentioning something about that dreaded C word, cancer and and so the family is is really struggling just what you know this is this is when life throws you something so i'm going to ask you to pray for dennis hargrave as he goes to the doctor tomorrow if god wants to heal him outright yay if god wants to use a doctor yay i've watched this man really over the last year a couple of years they've been coming but over the last year and in fact i don't know it's probably three or four months ago we sat right back there he calls me up he says hey can i meet with you we sat back there on the back row and he started telling me what God had done in his heart. And he said, I want to be rebaptized as a symbol to my family. I want my family to know where I go if I pass away. And he said, I want to live for Jesus. And so I don't think that God has brought him to that point in his life for him to end his life, right? He is at the point where he wants to serve God and he's being attacked. He's being hammered by the issues of life. So we're just going to pray right now and then we'll be dismissed, okay? Father... You revealed yourself to us in scripture as Jehovah Rapha, as our healer. And God, we know that Dennis Hargrave, his, his heart, his lungs, his body, they're in your hands. And God, you are the great physician and we ask you, Lord, to heal him outright before he ever gets to Tyler. Or if you want to heal him through a doctor, we're still going to say that you are the one who healed him, Lord. I thank you for the glimpse I got into Dennis's life just a few months ago. And, and Lord, I, I think that you have a plan for him to share that, that desire to follow you with all of his heart with more than just me and more than just the, the few men that he's gotten to know. Lord, I, I believe there's a purpose for Dennis to be on this planet and you're not done with him. So Lord, we need you to do something only you can do. And Lord, I pray for, for uh, Kathy, I pray for Alicia, the rest of the family, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus, Lord. And we look for, we're going to give you the glory now, Lord, for what you're going to do in Dennis's life. And, and we just ask that, that you do something that, that glorifies and honors your name. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Stand up, hug four people, tell them you love them. You're dismissed.